jump into the word today. Are you guys ready for the word? Okay, that was decent. That was decent. Let me try that again. Are you guys ready for the word? Okay, that was even better. Now, you got to be ready for the word. As we've been learning in this series, uh, teaching is what I do, but learning is what you do. And so every Sunday I could teach you. It doesn't mean you're learning. You have to do something to learn. And we've been in this series as we start the beginning of the year. We finished up our 21-day fast. The end of last year, the Lord gave me this word. And i got to be honest with you, I kind of wrestled with it a little bit. I was like, Lord, is this, is this really the, uh, the word that you're giving our house? Because I see so much turmoil in the world. I see that we're about to hit some things in the, in the world. We're about to go through it again. Let me just tell you like that. And if you're not watching the news, you don't you, you, you don't know much of what's going on. And even if you watch the news, sometimes they're reporting more on the Kardashians than they are on what's really going on in the world. And we have a border crisis that's happening right now where uh, the forces in the state of Texas are lining up to defend the borders. And the federal government's troops are headed over there to make them take down uh, their their barbed wire and things of that nature. Now, I'm not here to get into that. Whatever where place you fall on that whole argument is, is that this is the thing I want you to see. There's some turmoil coming. And so 25 governors send their troops over to help support Texas. Uh, you know, there's been talk so much time that we could be headed towards a civil war. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I do know that come election time, November, uh, a lot of people are going to be upset again. Whether whoever you're going to vote for, whoever you want. And here's my prayer is that we can upgrade you enough that you can get through tough times. That you won't lose your salvation when tough times hit. Amen. And so I'm fully aware that part of what the word of the Lord has given me kind of goes against what's going on in America today. As we're still paying over five dollars for gasoline uh, we're still paying like five, six dollars uh, for a carton of eggs. Come on, somebody. I get it. I see what's going on around the world. But I believe in the word of the Lord. And I believe if we will hang tight to the word of the Lord, no matter what goes on around us, God can upgrade us. Amen. You know, there's people talk about how bad COVID was and, oh, COVID was tough. Man, I bought a house during COVID. Yeah, I'm I'm. I'm I'm just bragging on God, not me. 
we got a new building in COVID. You know, and, and see, there's there's things that God will do. If you read the Bible, many times God prospered the people of God during famine. All these things are in the word of God, but we've got to we've got to do an upgrade. And so we began to talk about this word a little bit and we began to look at third John chapter one, verse two, just giving you a quick uh, 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 review. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I'll read that again. If that's not highlighted in your Bible. You should highlight it because this is the will of God for your life. Beloved, that's you. I pray that you may prosper in all things. Somebody say all things. In all things and be in health. So you know what that tells me? That tells me the will of God is that you and I prosper in the earth. So whatever your position, whatever your job is, whatever your financial situation, the will of God is that you have more than enough. If you're a father, you should be a good father. Amen. You should prosper in your fatherhood. If you're a mother, you should be prospering in those things. If you're married, your marriage should prosper. Whatever you're doing, the will of God is that you prosper. Do you all see that in the word of God? And then it goes on to say, and be in health. Come on, somebody. Did you know that when Jesus died on the cross, they whipped him 39 times for every sickness in our lives to be canceled out? And, and, and doctors have found that there are 39 streams which each uh, blood, in the blood where each sickness comes from. Jesus took care of it. So I don't know what your situation is, but if you can believe, I believe that the will of God is that you prosper and be in health. Like what, what Cece was sharing about the testimony of her parents being healed of cancer. Right now, we're believing and fighting for a friend. I have a friend that was diagnosed with cancer recently, and we're still standing on the word of God because I believe the word of God is that he is healed. I'm just reading the Bible to you, y'all. But look at this last portion. This is the portion we're, we're focusing on. Just as your soul prospers. In other words, you won't prosper and be in health until we can get your thinking to change because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And as long as you've got stinking thinking, God can't prosper you and health will escape you. But if we can get you to a place where you learn the covenant of God, then things can change for your life. Look at Psalms 25, 12 through 14. It's, all, it's our other foundational text. It says, those who fear the Lord, that's us, those who reverence and fear the Lord, we will show them the path they should, he will show them the path they should choose. And they will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. And here it is. He teaches them his covenant. So again, those of us that follow Jesus, we should be experiencing this, these blessings. And I believe this is the year where that breaks open for us. But he says this. He says he teaches them his covenant. And I said it earlier. Teaching is what I'm doing right now, what the Holy Spirit is doing through me. But learning is your portion. It's what you've got to make sure that you're doing. Romans chapter 12, 2 and 3 sums it all up like this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And so here lies the problem with most Christians. We go to church, but we never turn in our old way of thinking. 
And so you come to church, you worship, you praise, you, you do all the things, but you still think like you used to think. And that's a problem. What that says is you're not learning his covenant. You're not learning his word. It doesn't say my church is not teaching me, although that might be the case for some people, but it ain't the case here. Come on, somebody. I'm just going to pat myself on the back on that one right there because I'd be giving you the word, but doesn't mean you're going to learn the word. Okay. And so he teaches them his covenant. And so Romans 12 sums it all up and says, you'll be transformed into a new person if we can change the way you think. If we can change the way you think. But as long as you still keep thinking the same, nothing is going to change. And then we began to talk about last week this book that I had read many, many years ago by Dr. Ruby Payne. It's called The Framework for Overcoming Poverty. And I begin to give you some symptoms of poverty thinking. And in that book, it, it, it talks about what poverty consists of. Poverty is consistent upon eight resources that greatly influence your achievement. And you can put those on the screen as well. Number one is financial. Number one is emotional. Number one is, I'm sorry, number three is mental. I gave you two number ones. Number three is mental. Number four is spiritual. Number five is physical. Number six is support systems. Number seven is role models. Number eight is knowledge of hidden rules. And so what we learn from these things, and we're going to talk more about these things, is that poverty is about much more than money. It's about how you view life and how you make decisions. And I'm preaching this as somebody that has experienced levels of poverty. Now, my mom and dad did really good for us growing up. We weren't, you know, we, we, we never wanted for nothing, okay? Uh, we, we, they, they, we, we had always, I always lived in a house that we owned, you know, we had an extra freezer in the garage full of food because we it couldn't fit in the other freezer. Come on, somebody. Amen. We, we, we had great Christmas, birthdays. My mom and dad, they did their due diligence. But here's the thing. My mom and dad were uh, sons and daughters of immigrants. And so my dad was actually born in Mexico, which was impoverished. Now, from what I understand, they still did pretty good, but they bought, they brought some of that impoverished thinking. And even though my father had finances, there were still some things that brought into the family structure. Even though my mom, who was raised in poverty in many ways, my, my grandparents on my mom's side uh, were pastors and planted churches all throughout California, but they always had to do it on a shoestring budget. It because back then they didn't take care of their pastors. Um, yeah. And sometimes some people today still don't take care of their pastors. And so they had to believe God for everything they had. And so they, 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 they brought on a mentality that even though as they got older, they had things, they passed on thinking into our lives that even though we weren't in poverty, we still had mentalities like we were still living in Mexico. Oh, come on, somebody. How many know what I'm talking about? And so we talked about some of these things last week and why it's important that if God is going to upgrade you, you've got to be able to recognize that you have stinking thinking or you have an impoverished mentality. And, as, and again, it has, not, it has little to do with your financial situation because many of you have great jobs with the state, but you still think as if you come, you're, you're living in the hood. Come on. You still think as if you have very little. And we want to correct that because it's the only way that I can get you to prosper and be in health. Your soul's got to prosper. And as long as your soul isn't prospering, you're going to stay in this condition. And God has more for you. Can I get an amen on that? 
So studies show that there are two ways out of generational poverty, uh, education and relationships, education and relationships. And what we also learned, uh, we talked about this last week, is that people raised in poverty have different views than the middle and the upper class. I'll say that again. People raised in poverty or that have poverty thinking uh, have different views than the upper and middle class. Now, understand what I'm talking about this. I'm not elevating one above the other. I'm not saying, you know, uh, this is better. I'm just telling you how it is. Amen. And so we talked about that last week. We talked about the different views and how people in poverty view food. All right. If you were raised in poverty, the uh, people in poverty, when we when we think about food, we think about quantity as being the highest level of a good meal. Amen. And we talked about how we you know why, how do we pick a restaurant? Well, let's go to that place because their burritos are as big as your head. But are they good? Come on, somebody. Hey, man, you know what we're talking about? Uh, and, and so we, we see, we talked about the, the difference where the middle class will, will more along the lines want to go to a place if the food's good. They care more about the quality. And then we looked over at the upper class. And when they go to dinner, they're looking not only just for quality. Uh, they don't care anything about quantity. You know what they care about? Presentation. And so what happens is you go to a, a high fancy restaurant, uh, they're going to bring you out a nice plate where the mashed potatoes are in a little shape and there's a flower on your steak and you're like, what am I supposed to do with that? And then the, and the carrots and these things are placed nicely and, and you're upset because you go, I pay $50 for this because you're approaching it from a lower class or poverty mindset or lens that doesn't value things the same way these other classes do. Amen? Now, please don't get mad at me. I'm not, I'm not here to put anybody down. I'm just trying to show you how real these lenses are. Amen? Are you tracking with me today? So then we talked about how the lower class, middle class, and upper class view things like the physical body. And we begin to see that impoverished thinking says, if I'm going to make it in life, it's going to be through the power of my physical body. And so we teach our young boys in, when they're little, hey, you want to go to college? Pick up a basketball, throw a football, grab a batting ball, get out there, play ball, because, man, your physical body and your athletic ability is how you're going to get to college. But there are other ways to get to college, like getting good grades. Come on, somebody. Like doing good in school. But see, impoverished thinking just doesn't, doesn't look at those things, doesn't encourage those things. We just want to give them a ball because see, that's, a, that's a mentality that, that we think our physical body is how we're going to get through. Where the upper and middle class are trying to get their kids to emphasize thinking and develop your mind and develop your social skills and all these things. Impoverished thinking doesn't think that way. And so we, we, we went further and you talked about how it affects our daughters, right? Because moms tell their daughters, you got to be beautiful. Now it's even gone a whole nother way. You got to be sexy in order to get a man. And so we got young girls in junior high wearing skin tight clothing and, and, and going to school. And moms are OK with it. And dads are OK with it because, see, internally, they have come to believe that if my baby is going to get a man, she's going to do it through her physical body. 
And so she may be beautiful, but she's dumb as a rock. She may be beautiful, but she's a spoiled brat. She may be beautiful, but she is mean as a rattlesnake. And so what will happen is this. She'll get a man, but she won't be able to keep a man. Because what you need to know is this. It takes different muscles to keep someone than it does to get someone. And some of you learned that the hard way. Amen. But, but this is the difference in the lens, okay? And we talked about these things. We talked about uh, problem-solving skills and how the uh, lower class, if they're going to solve a problem, it's always a physical altercation. It's going to be with these. You know, if, we, if you, you get in a road rage situation with somebody that thinks this way, you better stay in your car. Amen? Because they think the only way to solve this situation is if I put hands on somebody. That's low-level thinking. The middle class thinks different. They don't get in fights. Some of us in this room, you've never been in a fight. That's probably a good sign that you were raised in the middle class because we learn to talk things through. We use words to fix things. Can I get an amen on that? And then uh, upper class does something else. They use lawyers to fix their problems. And they're waiting for you. Touch me and I'll sue. You know, you're yelling at them, you did it. And they're just sitting there cool as a cucumber. And inside they're saying, you touch me and I'll sue you for everything you got. And, and that's just how they think about things in life. And so these are the lenses that we're looking through. And so what I'm trying to do as your pastor is change the lens to be a lens from God's word. Because God's word is an abundant lens. God's word in John chapter 10 verse 10 says, I have come to give you life and that more abundantly. And so it's not a scarcity mentality. It's abundant mentality. Amen. And the last thing we left off on last week is the way we view money. And we talked about uh, those that have been raised in poverty or come from poverty. We view money to be spent. And so the first question we ask ourselves when we come into some money or we get a check or we get something that we didn't expect, we go, what are we going to buy? Ooh, extra money. Ooh, I got a bonus. What are we going to do with this? And we think spend. All right. The middle class thinks different when they find money or come into money. They think, how can I manage this? How can I make this last? Hey, I'm going to put this in the bank and I'm going to spread this out to help us over the next six months. And they begin to manage it. And then we talked about in the upper class, they, they think investment. They're not thinking, how am I going to spend it? How am I going to manage it? They're thinking, how can I get this money to work for me? instead of me working for the money. And so these are the mentalities, guys, that we have to bring ourselves to. This is, I believe, what, it, what we're talking about when it means to get your mind renewed. We have to challenge these ways of thinking. Now, can I give you a few more uh, uh, characteristics of impoverished thinking? Can y'all handle this today? Now, I want to be clear. I'm talking about me just as much as I'm talking about you. These are characteristics because some of us, some of us like to believe we're bougie. But you're not. There used to be a show called uh, Everybody Hates Chris. And, and you know, the, the mom in there, she was ghetto, but she liked to believe she was bougie. Some of us are like that. We think, oh, he's not talking about me. He's not talking about me. Let, let, let's see if some of these characteristics 
are on the inside of you. Can we handle that today? Tell your neighbor, are you going to be all right? You're going to be all right? Okay, so here are some other characteristics of a impoverished of impoverished thinking. Here's a characteristic right here. Number one, inability to delay gratification. Inability to delay gratification. An impoverished mindset doesn't have the ability to wait. They got to have it now. This is why some of us are in debt. Because you had to have the BMW now. You can't afford it, but you want it. And so these guys at the dealership come to you and they go, oh, we're going to get you in this car. But what they don't tell you is you're going to pay almost double for it because you can't wait. How many know what I'm talking about? In impoverished neighborhoods, we have something called Renaissance. It's right across the street, actually. I bet not see any of y'all going up in there. Because it is a scam. It is a problem. If you look on Google, the only places you'll find it is in South Sac and Del Paso Heights. They won't even let them into Elk Grove, Natomas, Rockland, Folsom. Nope. They put them right in the hood. You want to know why? Because the impoverished mind can't wait for anything. It has no ability to delay gratification. So we can't afford that BMW. And so people will prey on that. Because you can't wait, you're going to pay more. And so they work it out. And your, your payment, we just extended it about 20 years. But it, this is going to be your monthly payment. And you look at the monthly payment and you go, oh, I can handle that. But what you miss is instead of paying for that car in five years, you're going to pay for it in 15, 20 years. And it's going to increase every time. Uh, it's going to increase after time. It's going to go up and up and up. And we miss all those things. And so we're preyed on. Why? Because we can't delay gratification. We can't delay gratification when it comes to sex. I hear crickets. You tell people, hey, wait till you get married to have sex. They, they can't even fathom that. And so in our, in our communities, there are 13-year-olds having babies. There are 13, 14-year-olds getting abortions. You know, and we have parents because of an impoverished mindset, empowering. And so they go, here, baby, just take these condoms. Just carry these with you. Because, see, mom can't delay gratification. So she can't she can't pass on that mentality to her sons and daughters. So she has to empower it in the name of protection. And you hear a message like this where the Bible says, hey, wait until your marriage. And that is like, oh, come on. Pastor, that's impossible. No, it's not. Not if you renew your mind. Not if you renew your mind. That, that, that clap right there seemed like it hurt right there. I so we don't have the ability to delay gratification. Here's something else you'll see in every impoverished neighborhood. A check cashing place. You better not be going to one of them because that is the biggest scam. And, and the same thing, you won't find them in any other places except impoverished neighborhoods because we got to get, we got to get this, we got to get this money. Payday's tomorrow. They got these plans now. You can get paid five days earlier. 
And you're like, oh, that's awesome because you can't delay gratification. And so you go in there and they say, oh, yeah, we'll give you your money now, but you're going to owe us this much money. And you're like, cool, take it. They end up taking your tithe. And so these places thrive in impoverished areas. There's about three or four just in about a mile uh, here on Florin Road. See them all the time. Now, listen, if you use these places, let us help you. Come talk to myself. Come talk to uh, Pastor Willard or any of our team, and we will help you get set up with a bank account. We will help you not be ripped off by these things because they're scams. And it, and it, and it feeds on impoverished mindsets. And please, I don't want you to feel uh, minimized by hearing me share it like this. Like, you know, we just want to help because I'm telling you, these things, listen, I, I, I've, I've fallen prey to these things in my younger years when I left home. You know, getting a couch through Rent-A-Center, please. Yeah, they got me. You know, they got me. They got me. That was about 30 years ago, but they got me. And so I'm just telling you, it comes because we can't wait for nothing. And we get frustrated. Amen? Amen? Here's another characteristic of our impoverished mindset, an inability to plan. Inability to plan. We see this every Christmas. It's part of why we do the ministry we do here at Elevate Life Church. Many of you know we provide Christmas for hundreds of families here locally and also in Mexico. And it's not because these families don't have money to buy their kids presents. It's because they don't plan. You know, I have kids and I've had kids now for 21 years. Do you know how we do Christmas? We plan. Can I help you today? Somewhere in about August, you start putting some stuff away. Come on, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. And you know what? You will have a good Christmas. But because we can't, we can't plan nothing, it springs upon us. And we're looking and calling churches. Who's giving out toys this year? Who's giving out free turkeys at Thanksgiving? Who's doing this? You want to know why those things happen? Because nobody plans. An impoverished mindset doesn't plan anything. And we got to come out of that stuff. Some of us in this room, you're not good at planning. You don't know what you're doing Friday night. Men, I've been trying to tell you all year, reserve the first Friday night of the month. You haven't done it. It comes, it comes upon you and you go, oh, oh Kingsman's this week? Because you have an inability to plan. It got real quiet, my Kingsman in here. I'm just trying to help somebody. I feel a brick spirit in the back. I'm some security, security. We don't plan anything. We don't plan. We don't, you know, we don't have a plan. Listen, our church has a calendar for the whole year. We got, we got to plan things. You got to plan things. You got to plan the, your kids' birthdays. Come on, don't wake up and be like, oh, it's Mijo's birthday tomorrow. You didn't plan for that? You didn't know that was coming? And then we're scrambling and, you know, oh, our anniversary's coming up. Plan something. Amen? You know, when I was a kid, we, maybe much like you guys, we didn't take many vacations. Our vacations were going to visit family, you know? 
But my, you know, I will say we did, there was a few, time, a few times where my parents took us uh, to Mexico for a month, not just to see family. Actually, that was to see family. But we went and stayed a month. It was a great time, and we would go places, and it was, it was family. So I didn't really grow up taking vacations where we laid on the beach and got a nice resort, anything like that. But when I moved to Florida and I began to get around some of these other people, uh, I, I began to see that they go on vacation every year. And I just thought, man, that must be nice. How are they affording that? How are they making this happen? And so I got bold one day. I was like, hey, man, you know, tell me, how how are you doing these vacations, man? How does that work? And he goes, well, it's very simple. I said, well, you must must be very simple for you. You must have a lot of money. He goes, no. He's like, hey, this is what, you know, where we're at. I'm barely getting by. But here's what we do. We plan 15 months in advance that we're going to have a vacation in 15 months. And so we start planning and plotting and saving, and every year we take a nice vacation. Did you know I heard that and I learned something? He taught me something and I learned something. So I started putting money away because he finished it all by saying this to me. He says, listen, you better start taking your kids on vacation. I said, why? He says, because you really only got 18 vacations with them, 18 summers to make memories, and then they're going to leave your house. And I started, that shook me. I thought, my gosh, I only got 18 summers. I got to make some good memories for them. I got to expose them to some things. And so he taught me something, and I learned from that, and I began to save. I began to save. So let me just tell you something. We have been in lean times and still took a vacation. Now, we've taken vacation vacations, and some, it's just we got an Airbnb in Southern Cal and just with a nice pool, and that was it. But it was a vacation. I want to encourage some of you young couples, get, start planning stuff. Start planning ahead, you know. Come on, somebody. Start planning when you're going to have kids. See, the impoverished mind doesn't plan. You know what happens to them? I'm pregnant. That's how, that's how babies are, are, are had most of the time in impoverished mindsets. We just have, we just have, we're, we're, oh, we find out we're pregnant. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Surprise, surprise. You know, how'd this happen? What do you mean, how'd this happen? <laughs> we planned our, our surge man, he, he, was, he was planned almost down to the month. I'm, I'm serious. We had a talk. You know, we talked about... When the baby comes, babe, do you want to keep working or do you want to stay with the baby? We had that talk before we got married. That's a hard talk. And she goes, you know what? It's been my dream to be a stay-at-home mom. So we planned. I said, all right, we need to get our finances in order. We got two years so that we can live off of one salary. And we planned that. And then we said, baby, when's the best time to be pregnant? Because Florida is another, another animal. That, that humidity in the summer, it is like the gates of hell. You don't want to be pregnant those months. And so she was like, we well, you know what? I want to be pregnant during the wintertime when it's cool. I said, bet. <laughs> I got you. And I just beat my chest like, no. Nah, 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 nah. Now, and we planned, right? And he came in, he came in May, 
right? I came in May. So we, we, we began to do that with all the kids. Now, Diego, we were taking some chances. We would be like, we'd be like, let's have a baby. Yeah, take a chance. And then we get, oh, maybe we shouldn't have did that. So we kept going back and forth. So God made the decision for us. He's like, y'all need this little man here. He's going to change the world. But here's the thing, my point, we got a plan. I got a plan. Amen? Our inability to plan shows where our thinking is at. And I've been telling Kingsman this for over a year. Get yourself a calendar, okay? Get yourself a calendar. And here's a, here's the, here's a revelation, right? There's one on your phone. It'll send you a little alert. Day before, hey, tomorrow's this, tomorrow's that birthday in a week. It'll tell you all that stuff, and then you can plan. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. All right, let's go to the next one. Next characteristic of an impoverished mind is this, the inability to solve problems without fighting or screaming. I'm going to read that again. Inability to solve problems without fighting or screaming. Now, this is a very real characteristic. And some of you have carried this into your marriage. It's like I was telling you last week. I had a friend that worked with Outgrove PD, and he was telling me that they have higher rates of domestic violence than South Sac and Oak Park. You want to know why that is? Because even though they increased in money and monetary means and are able to get a better house in a better neighborhood, they still have impoverished thinking. And so they get in an argument with their spouse, and it turns into fighting and screaming. And so we see this kind of behavior. Man, uh, I've worked with mentoring young kids in the public schools, and you see it in them that there's no ability to talk things out. They're either going to fight or scream, and they're even doing it to teachers. You can go on YouTube and put in uh, hitting principles, and there's kids fighting principles. We see this carried out all throughout society, and it comes from an impoverished mindset that doesn't know how to problem solve. The only thing it knows is to fight and scream to get their way. Now, ladies, I know this, this hits home, right? Because you can get married to somebody and have a great expectation of your marriage, and you could even be a good person, but because your, your thinking is still messed up, what begins to happen is you get in an argument with your spouse and you're throwing cups at them. You're throwing frying pans at them, and the kids are seeing that. Come on, amen? You're screaming at them, cussing at them. Like, guys, you don't marry a woman and then cuss her out. Period. If you do that, it's probably because you have an impoverished mindset. Pastor Tina and I have gotten in arguments, but I have never allowed myself to lose control to the degree where I would hit or call her out her name. Those are characteristics. I'm just telling you, those are characteristics of an impoverished mindset. And uh, I mean, we've got to know how to control these areas. Amen? And so that's, that's a symptom. And the last one, y'all are going to love this one. The last characteristic that I want to go over here of an impoverished mindset is an inability to be on time. Inability to be on time. Now, I want you to catch this today because we're real good at lying to ourselves. And we always got excuses. 
We always got reasons why we're late. We excuse it by saying things like, well, I'm Mexican. That's why. You're just going to have to handle that. No. No. You're going to have to bow that and renew your mind. You know? It's like, you ever go to a Mexican wedding? It says 1 o'clock, but it don't get started till 2. And every Mexican that's invited looks at it and goes, mm, pues, okay, 1, I'll see you there at 2. And it's just accepted. It's just accepted and perpetuated. And, and we just do life like that. You know, I, as I told you before, in Gainesville, Florida, I pastored a church that was 95% African-American. And I saw this amongst them. And I began to address it with the leaders, and they go, oh, pastor, that's just CPT time. I was like, what's CPT? Color people time. That's just how it is. I said, no, no, we got to change that. I used to see it first time I went to Trinidad. They have something called island time, man. Island time. And you go and it says church is going to get started at 9 a.m. Nobody shows up till 10. It's a problem. It's impoverished thinking. And I'm just telling you, if we're going to get through life and get better, we've got to challenge these things. Now, ever since we've come to South Sacramento and planted this church, it's going to be our 14th year this year. That's one of the things we've always had to fight is that we've got to teach ourselves that being on time matters. Being on time matters. Being on time says that you respect everybody else. That's what it says. And being late means this. You're selfish and you only care about you. Got real quiet in this Baptist church today. That's what it means. And, and, and we always got the excuses, right? Well, it's this, it's that, the traffic. Listen, I, I, there are going to be times I'm not saying I'm on time to everything. Come on. I'm not saying it's, you're going you're gonna to bat a thousand. But it's a mindset. It's a mindset. So that's why it's always interesting, especially for first service, right? I tell, I tell Sky, I tell George, start at nine. It says nine online. We start at nine. Well, but nobody's in the building. Doesn't matter. Jesus is in the building. And we're going to start on time for you, Jesus. We're not going to have you waiting on us, Jesus. Smile at me. Some of, you, some of y'all came in late and like, dang it, man. He getting me today. He getting me today. But I want you to see this because it affects our kids, right? Why is your kid the last one to get picked up after baseball practice all the time? And he watches, he watches little Joey go, bye, see ya. He watches River drive away. Bye, River. Bye, bye, bye Connor. We'll see you, Connor. Connor's dad goes, hey, you need a ride? No, 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 my dad's coming. He's coming. And all the kids go home and you're sitting there waiting because your dad's late. Your mom's late. And so we've got those memories, right? We've got those, those things. It affects everybody. When you're, got, you're going to the, the, whatever you're taking your kids to and now they're late everywhere. And it just becomes a way of life. Guys, what I'm trying to get you to see, you might think it doesn't matter, but it affects things in your life. It affects how others see you. It affects how you see yourself. And these are all impoverished ways that in the next few weeks, we've got to continue to go after and correct. Now, the word of God in the church has the awesome responsibility 
to build us up in these areas. This is why it's important you go to a church that teaches the word. It's important that you come to church and we're ready to learn, ready to take some notes. Because, you know, studies have shown you remember three times more of what you write down than just sitting here. And see, I know this makes you uncomfortable. You're like, dang, you talking about this again? But like, I'm just telling you, teaching's what I do. Learning's what you're going to have to do. And so we've got to lean into these things because here's what you got to see. As the mind changes and thinks different, your life prospers and your health gets better. That's what it says there in, the, in, in 3 John. And that's what we're going after in this upgrade. We want to take down these mentalities and start challenging ourselves in these areas. Now, I'm going to leave you with this. I got five more minutes. Look at the, five, no, look at the, the behind me there. These are the eight areas that contribute to the impoverished mindset. The first one is financial. It's financial. Uh, what, why is this an issue? Well, what does it mean that we have a financial need? Remember, these are the needs. Uh, poverty is consistent upon eight resources that greatly influence achievement. And the first one being financial. What does financial do? It's, it's having money to purchase goods and services. That's what that deals with. Having money to purchase goods and services. Why is this a resource that you need to come out of poverty? Is because it creates opportunities. When you have these things, when you have wealth, when you have finances, you have the ability to create opportunities. You can move to a better neighborhood, which in turn will put your kids in a better school. You can have options is the thing. Uh, having wealth and knowing how to manage your, your finances finances creates options for you. And, and these are the things that if, if God gives you that, uh, it'll, it'll open up some more doors for you. Now, here's what I want you to catch today. I believe with all my heart that the church that I pastor is Jesus's church. I believe the vision he's given us to raise up disciples that will love God and lift others is his vision. I believe the, the mission that he's given us to take disciples from the neighborhood to the nations. I believe it's all his. So therefore, I believe he's going to provide for it. But here's the problem. The way God is designed to provide for this vision is through you. It's through you. You're the pipeline. And so what will happen is God wants to see if he can trust us. And so he rains down finances through this nice job you got. How many got a good job in here? Just not, not at me, not at me. I got a good job, making some good money. Okay, God gave you that job. And God is such a good God that he doesn't say, give it all to me. Nope, he doesn't do that. He says, hey, could you just take care of my bride? Could you just take care of my children with 10%? Now, an impoverished mind, remember, only values material things. It doesn't value the immaterial, the quantum that's tied together. And so the material world is the only world you live in. So if you can't eat it, sleep it, sleep with it, be entertained, buy it, drive it, it's not a value to you. Therefore, it doesn't get your money. And so Christians will come to church and the offering receptacles will go by and we'll just excuse ourselves from even giving to that. Because we think, number one, we don't have to, and number two, that there's no value in it. 
Because when I leave church, I, there's nothing I'm carrying out. There's nothing I'm getting to eat. There's none of these things that are tangible. But what we miss is in the quantum world where everything's tied together, my obedience to worship God with my giving opens up windows of heaven that pour out blessings into my spiritual life that I can't see. And see, an impoverished mind can never taste of that. Impoverished mind just sits here in the known. And this is what I'm trying to get you to break free from because I believe with all my heart, God's trying to increase your finances. God's trying to increase you to another level so you can get that house. So those children that you love, can I tell you something about those beautiful kids you love? God loves them more. And God wants them to go to the best colleges. God wants to bless their socks off. But guess who the vehicle is? You. And if God can't trust you, it ain't going to happen. Look at Luke 16, 11. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? That's what the word says. You know, it's funny. Every year I talk a little bit about this. And whenever I do, I lose one to two families because they can't take it. Ah, he's all about the money. And if you think that, if you think that, then yeah, I ain't your pastor. I've been here 13 years in South Sac. She, please, you have no idea. You have no idea. And if you think that, yeah, yeah, all right, probably the last time we'll see you. Amen. Praise God. But know this, I'm trying to help you. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do because, see, we've got to get this. We've got to get this. Let me read you another scripture, Luke 16, 14 through 15. The Pharisees, listen to this, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. And then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. And what does this world honor? Money. What did the church folk of his day love? Money. What, what offended their hearts when Jesus talked about money? Jesus not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. But the impoverished mindset can't ever see it. Can't ever see it. The impoverished mind is always looking for the scam. The impoverished mind is always looking for the scam but never recognizing it. See, you think church is a scam. But you go out and buy scratchers. That's the scam. That's the scam. But you can't see that. And so you give the lotto your number and your lucky numbers and all that. And you think we're scamming you. See, this thing's all messed up. Because you know what you won't see at the liquor store when you go buy those tickets? You won't see businessmen in those lines. You'll see little Ray Ray, Boo Boo, buying their month. Got to get my numbers. Got to put my numbers in. And the numbers never drop. And even if they do drop, we told you last week, they end up blowing that money. So the first area we've got to see that we renew our mind in to come out of poverty is financial. And guys, there's only one way to do that. Put your trust in God, not your money. The test is this. The test is your tithe. Whatever God puts in your hand, give him 
it'll break your thinking. It'll break your thinking in this area. As some of y'all have been a part of Christianity for too long to keep, keep turning me off when I talk like this. Keep making excuses. Listen, you're going to be locked into a level and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt because God has so much more for you, for your kids, for your grandkids. I'm telling you, it's a whole nother level of this thing, but we got to get free in this area. Amen. Did y'all get something out of this today? Y'all still love me today? Hey, everybody. Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.